Welcome back to the Anti-Politics Podcast. My name is Rob Reynoso. With me again is your co-host, Alan Lemp. Uh, I got some good stuff for you today. But before we get started, just wanted to bring something up real quick. Uh, call for action. Uh, we're trying to help somebody, actually a family that's in need. If anybody has seen in the news about Brooks, Brooks, Brooks Roberts was shot by federal agents in the back uh, for the crime of being homeless. Um Straight off the GoFundMe page, uh, Brooke Roberts, his mom, Judy, and his brother, Timber, are an Idaho family who need community support. Brooks was shot repeatedly, including in the back, because he was homeless. Uh, he actually had a uh, rough time during the uh, quote-unquote pandemic and uh, found himself struggling to survive after he lost his job due to an injury. Um, pretty pretty heartbreaking story so the he had nowhere to go wound up in the in the woods to make a long story short just trying to survive and uh turns out it's illegal to overstay your welcome at a campsite so they came to a victim and the way that they did it was actually pretty questionable um they had plainclothes officers approach him uh pretending to be people who needed help to jump their car and uh one of the family members went out to help them and that's when they took him to the ground and Brooks uh, rolled out because he heard all the commotion and knew that he had to help. And uh, things took a downward spiral from there and uh, he was shot. So he, thank God he survived. And now they're looking for some help. And I think uh, it's a good chance to help him out um, because they got a lot going on right now. He's suing. Rightly so, because those tactics are highly questionable. I'll be putting all the information for the GoFundMe, the uh, the aid efforts, and everything that linked to the news article in the comments when we post this episode. Just thought it was real important. I stuck that into the beginning. I know it's kind of starting off on a super serious note there, but uh, let's get that family some help, some help that they need. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I want, I want to point out, too, the reason why they'd overstayed their uh, allotted time, quote unquote, allotted time at this campsite is because their RV was stuck. It had snowed and they were not able to get out. So instead of trying to help them and help get them moved and get their RV fixed, they decided to stage a task force that had, was it three or four different agencies involved for some weird reason? Uh, they had the two plate and closed officers, another 10 or 12 officers that were on uh, other sides of the uh, the vehicle. And this is all over three people being stuck or at a campsite too long. Like, it, it's just ridiculous. So, yeah, like, like Rob said, more to come on that. We'll be posting links and everything for you guys and definitely need to raise some funds and, and help these people as much as we can. 
Yep. Let's give them the tools they need to get back on their feet. You know, they need a little kickstart and, uh, I know, uh, we've seen some incredible efforts from the Liberty community, uh, $5 is all it takes, you know, and we've seen some incredible stuff happen. So more on that later. Uh, but moving forward, uh, we got a guest with us today, Mr. David Beckemeyer, otherwise known as Outrage Overload. Sire, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you doing? Doing really good. Doing really good. It's uh, been a nice week so far. Some good weather. Last of the warm weather, I think we're going to squeeze out of here. What do you think? There's supposed to be, yeah, there's supposed to be a heat wave this week. So we'll see how that plays out. Yeah. I'm here for it. Uh, I'm I'm just ready for horts, uh, shorts and hoodie weather, man. Shorts and hoodie weather, some bonfires, good old football weather. You know what I mean? <laughs> hoodie weather. Hoodie yeah, weather. I miss football season uh, too. David, I'm not going to lie. The first time I read your uh, your Twitter um, handle, um, I read it very quickly and thought it said Outrage Overlord. And I was like, oh, that's that's metal as fuck. Yes. <laughs> and I looked at it again. And I was like, oh, that, that's still rocking, too. I get it. <laughs> so, no, I mean, we're really happy to have you on here. Uh, happy to to talk about what you do and your messaging and, and everything like that. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's the classic. A lot of us are there. I mean, we 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 see this stuff all the time. There's always, you know, we were kind of talking before offline a little bit about how there's always people trying to make us mad at each other. And um, they're just sending those signals all over the place. There's always incentives in politics. So, you know, for me, I I kind of reached my own personal outrage overload and said, like, what are they doing to us here? And this is, you know, there's got to be something better. And there's got to be something behind all this is kind of how all that started. Love it. Love it. Ours uh, started kind of similar, but uh, for different reasons. But it was just kind of like putting pieces together, looking past the BS and saying, this needs talked about, too. Yeah, it's real yeah, and important. I think some... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. It's real important that we come together and uh, sit at the, uh, well, what else could you call it? Just call it the round table, right? Because we're all Americans here. Right. I mean, that was kind of the other side of it. I think that the, like the lockdowns and all that, and then you just saw so much, you know, I, I just saw, you know, direct people that I know as well as sort of friends of friends and people kind of losing touch with people, people blocking people and they lose, you know, they just don't talk to each other anymore. Literally like they, they refuse to meet. And some of these are like good friends they had forever. Sometimes it's family members. And so that was another factor, just seeing that everywhere. It's like, you're letting dumb stuff, you know, come between you. Mm hmm. Yeah, I saw the exact same kind of stuff. People instantly went from best friends to worst enemies because they were supporting two different presidents or two different presidential candidates. Like, seriously? <laughs> like, how are you letting this get to you? Um, stand up and help your community. Don't fight your community. Plus, I mean, federal elections do the least amount other than like, you know, inflation and gas prices and stuff like that. Uh, to your everyday life, your local elections do far more for you than anything else. But you never hear anybody getting worked up over those. Well, a lot, you know, and that's something I talked to a lot of the experts about, you know, and and it's like a big piece of this whole incentive machine and how the media engine and the outrage engine and all that has changed. You know, yeah, we don't, a lot of us don't even know who our local politicians are, right? Maybe not even at the state level sometimes, the county and other ones. We don't even know that, but we know who our federal people are. And like you say, like, why are we so like embedded with that? Like, why are we so worried about 
the the federal that's all you know and part of that is this machine right they're gonna they want to do mm-hmm. national news they want to do national media so they want to get you outraged about that and so yeah we and and then of course there's no there's not much funding of local news anymore so it's expensive to do local news it's cheap to do outrage media right so that's what they do yeah. and uh you know and we need more local media we need more you know like you say, community, like we need something to tell us. And next door isn't it. I'm sorry. Right. I mean, that's, they've got some of those same, (laughs) they've got some of those same kind of incentives, you know, they're not speaking in our interest and it's the same kind of bullies kind of take over and there's just kind of same kind of fighting going there. I mean, something like next door could theoretically do it with different incentives. And, but anyway, yeah, we just don't have local news anymore. So we, we just turn to this national news and we're just so focused on it. When, like you say, there's so much more happening locally that's impacting our lives way a lot more than what's going on in Washington. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and nothing takes away from getting face to face with somebody and actually talking to the people in your community that live around you and everything. Uh, social media, it creates this keyboard warrior barrier, right? Where you feel like you can say and do anything. You can act on impulse and any thought that runs in your head, no matter, no matter how mean or how nice it is, you're just going to spew it out on the keyboard. And it takes the humanity out of people. Um, getting in front of people, getting in groups, getting together with your community to do volunteerism, uh, to go fill potholes on your own that the city doesn't have time for, doesn't do themselves or whatever it might be. That's how you empower people. And that's how you start figuring out, damn, not everybody really is this angry. Not everybody really watches the news as much as they try to say. And yeah, not everybody's fucking racist. Like they're trying to say too. It's crazy when you start talking to people, how you realize most people have the pretty much the same point of view that you do to a certain extent for at least like 75% of stuff. And they're able to get past and agree to disagree. It's, it's this crazy idea. Yeah. And well, and they, they really get us so angry that we're not even willing to start that dialogue. Right. Cause we label them so quickly um, that we see a hat, we see a shirt, we see a button, we just see anything like Dr. Pet, they're drinking the wrong, you know, soda. And, uh, and and we we make these judgments and the science has shown that that's kind of what we're doing now and you know and so and then on social media it's even worse right because we don't know the person we don't have any you know there's no sort of all those other social cues that we have had from you know hundreds of thousands of years aren't there with social media so the only thing you have are like these triggers right i can what can i i go into their things and i troll them a little bit and what are they doing oh they said this funky thing i i took these three t- trigger words away and now i hate them right and mm-hmm. Yeah. And like you say, well, you, I think the local stuff, like go to your fire department meeting, you know, what's happening, you know, you can meet real people. I, I do a thing on the show and I started this before I even started doing the podcast when I was still kind of investigating, you know, kind of what's this phenomenon. I started doing these interviews of just regular people. And so, and, and I don't um, push back or anything. I just ask questions and talk to them. And, you know, for so many people, and, and I thought it was going to be a way for me to figure out like sort of what's going on out there, but it also helped me figure out what's going on in here in me, right? Because when I don't push back, when I don't argue, I just let them say what they really think. First of all, they open up so much more than they ever had before. And sometimes I'm interviewing people I knew because in the beginning, that's kind of, that's the list I started with. I'll start with people I know, I, you know, and then I'll branch out as I can. But so I would talk to people I know and we, they would finally open up about politics. They've never opened up about this stuff because we're afraid to say things when we think we're going to get attacked or it's going to ruin our friendship or whatever. But when you just listen, they actually start telling you things that you never even knew. Right. So I learned stuff about them. I learned stuff about me and, you know, and then I've taken that on and I continue to do that. Um, and it was, a, it was, it changed everything. Like I was at this point with this podcast, that this podcast is going to be about this. Right. 
And then all those interviews gave me this whole new perspective, like, wow, I got to stop from, I literally have to pause and go look at myself some more before I start going down this path and understand, you know, there's so much that's not being talked about, even in the science, obviously not in the media, but, you know, even in the science, you know, to feel that stuff personally, one-on-one with somebody, it's not being talked about in the science at that level. Mm-hmm. 100%. 100%. Yeah. That's, uh, well, go ahead, Rob. Yeah, I just wanted to, um, we kind of skipped past it there uh, before I had a chance to say anything. You had some really interesting dialogue going. I didn't want to interrupt you all. No, it's, it's all good. Don't worry about it. Um, and uh, But you were talking about politics for a bit there and how it makes people go back and forth with each other and hate each other and it incites all these emotions and actions from people such as like, you know, zealotry or the proverbial echo chamber that you always hear about. Uh, in the deep, dark reaches of the interwebs. Uh, make no mistake, this is an industry. Uh, back when colored television colored television started coming out, they realized that the better-looking candidate is going to have a better chance at being elected, and that's when they started doing tanning and spray tanning and uh, workout regimens, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And they, they literally like plugged everything in and spent all the money they could to make them look good, and today it has evolved into an industry that costs hundreds of millions of dollars. Um, up until about 2008, Democrats and Republicans spent similar amounts of money on campaigns. Uh, then in 2008, the Democrats started to pull far ahead. Uh, like like in 2016, Clinton raised almost twice as much as Trump did. She raised uh, approximately $621 million versus Trump's $364 million dollars. Um, it's a big industry and because a lot of money goes into it, it gets very toxic. Whenever there is, there are, there is a large sum of money that is being produced in a lucrative manner, things start to get sketch. Mm-hmm. Money laundering. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and, it, and the same, it's similar to, to the media situation too, right? I mean, the way that the incentives work there. Uh, you know, either in the online media, you're looking for clicks and reactions and likes and all that sort of stuff. And then obviously in TV, you're trying to get viewers, right? And it's all about getting them engaged and staying engaged as they as long as you can. And it works in politics a similar way, right? We're, we're using these techniques to keep people agitated and afraid. And and that's what, you know, we find it, that's what they've found. And they, you know, know, even even if they don't know the science per se, they do so many experiments, experiments that this kind of is what works. So they keep doing it. And breaking that incentive cycle is what's going to be hard, right? Because, you know, it's us. <laughs> we're, we're the ones who want this stuff. We're the ones doing it. So it's got to start with us. Mm-hmm. Right. It yeah. Uh, just just stop caring about politics at a high level. If everybody just turns away and stops giving them the views and stops giving them the clicks, uh, they're going to have to start speaking more truth. They're going to have to get more wholesome. They're going to have to get more based. If if we don't allow them to have a fear-based kind of campaign and a monetary-based campaign like that, then they're going to be forced to do what they're actually supposed to fucking do to begin with. Yeah. Well, and like you were saying before, kind of trade that time you're spending on all this national stuff with with some local stuff, like something in your community. Yep. Yep. I'm in the process right now. I, I've been just talking to my local fire department earlier. Um I have a hundred people in my neighborhood over the last week that have said they want to get 
um, CPR and first aid, basic first aid training and stop the bleed training. So I'm trying to work with them on classes because fun fact, most fire departments do free classes for all this kind of stuff. Stop the bleed, not always, but CPR and first first aid basic training. Uh, they do that kind of stuff for free. You normally just have to have a group of like five or six at minimum for them to do it. Uh, but then when you approach them, hey, I got a group of at least 100, maybe 120 people that all want this training done. <laughs> then some logistics kind of come into play. But they were stoked. I, I've never seen a firefighter when you go like I went in and talked to him first and he was like, how many people? And I was like, yeah, 100, maybe 120. And he's like, hold on, I'll be right back. And he went and grabbed every single other dude in the fire department and they came out front and he's like, hey, tell them what you just told me. And I was like, yeah, I'm trying to get a, you know, training set up for like hundred to 120 people for CPR and basic first aid and stop the bleed. If you guys are able to do that and um, whatever other classes that you offer uh, you know, we want to all get trained so we can have a better immediate responder um, dynamic for our neighborhood. And uh, they all started fucking cheering. They were lit up. They were stoked. So we were like, Hey, we'll, we'll look at our schedules. We'll get in contact with you. So they called me this afternoon and uh, I've been talking with them, trying to set up time blocks on the weekend, some in the evenings. It sounds like we're going to split it up in groups of like 25 or so. Uh, but they are stoked because they know that once word gets around that we're doing this in our neighborhood, it's probably going to become a trend. The neighborhood across the street's going to be like, hey, this is a really good idea. Or somebody's going to be at dinner at the bar talking to somebody like, yeah, our neighborhood, our entire neighborhood's getting CPR and first aid training and certified for this and that. Uh, just so if anything ever happens, you know, no matter where it happens in the neighborhood and how it happens, anybody can be an immediate responder until, you know, help gets there and take care of people. Um, so it, it's little actions like this that tend to spread like viruses, right? And it's not all viruses are bad and all bacteria is bad, um, you know, but you want to create that change and incite that change mentally where people are starting to focus on the right stuff. They're starting to focus on taking care of each other. Mm -hmm. And another side effect of that is that you're spending time with people, you know, getting to know them outside of a context of fighting on pol about politics, right? So you find out this person that disagrees with you on some of these things also is a regular person. They like are just trying to get through life. They have kids. They want to, you know, they they want good roads. They want like there's a lot of stuff you have in common, even if you do disagree. Like you were saying earlier about some of the other things, and you know, a lot of times we don't get those opportunities to have those kind of conference, especially online, like you were saying before, where the first thing, somehow politics jumps into it right away. And even in other contexts, a lot of times, somehow politics just jumps in right away. So if you can do things like that, you can get to know that these are real people. They're just regular people too, just trying to get through life. And that can make a big, big um, difference too, because, you know, a big thing, a lot of the science shows that one of the big factors that we have about why we were sort of in this mess to, uh, individually, like how we, we, have, we, we have this dislike for each other is a misperception, right? We just, have been sort of told people are this way and we think they're a lot different than they really are we think they're 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 more ready to you know go to violence we think they're more ready to tear down the country we think they want to take our guns or you know we think all this stuff about them you know that you know is typically not right or it's wrong by some percent right like they don't want to do this thing that bad or or maybe they can be you know it's, they're not in this place you think they are and you can start seeing them as a human again mm -hmm. uh huh yeah, 100%. I have a, I have a really good quote to go along with this subject that we're talking about right now. I was going to end end the episode with it, but I'll just say it now. I can't, I can't hold back. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <clears throat> the alternate domination of one faction over another 
sharpened by the spirit of revenge, natural to party dissension, which in different ages and countries has perpetrated the most horrid enormities, is itself a frightful despotism. But this leads at length to a more formal and permanent despotism. The disorders and miseries which result gradually incline the minds of men to seek security and repose in the absolute power of an individual. And sooner or later, the chief of some prevailing faction, more able or more fortunate than his competitors, turns this disposition to the purposes of his own elevation on the ruins of public liberty. Uh, this is an expert excerpt from George Washington's farewell address delivered on September 17th, 1796. Mm. And you just gave me a big old freedom boner. So, <laughs> so George Washington specifically warned us about the dangers of political parties and how if we continue to let them subvert our liberty, we will in turn subvert each other. Neighbors will be subverting each other. Uh, what does that mean? It means that we're going to be taking acts of revenge on each other politically or even you know physically with physical violence, right? And that's that would be like at the absolute tipping point, which, of course, we all hope mm -hmm. that we don't reach uh, because nobody in their right mind wants bloodshed on their doorsteps because uh, think about it. Um, when when you hear people, and there's very few people that do this because, like I said, this is it's crazy mentality. You do not want civil war on your doorstep because that's your fucking neighbors, bro. <laughs> Chill out. Yeah, it's like, right. Civil war. And then what, too? I mean, we're kind of right back in the same place. You haven't really fixed anything. Um, yeah. And, you know, and we agree on so many of these fundamental things. It's like we're just finding things to fight about now. I mean, yeah, sure. We we disagree about about some issues, but. You know, there's so much that we that we we that we can at least agree about, like, you know, all these basic morals and, you know, family stuff, all kinds of things. And, um, you know, that, so we're almost fighting over just dumb stuff a lot of the time or, you know, especially things that like, does this really make sense to go to war about? And then what's then what after that war? Right. You, it's like it's kind of like, you know, but in those medieval battles. Right. You would go somebody get their leg chopped off and somebody, you know, and then at the end, you're right back where you were. Nothing really changes. Yeah, it's right. merely a flesh wound. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, yeah. No, I mean, the a lot of the founding fathers warned us about a two political party um, system, too. Uh, that would be the beginning of the downfall, basically. You know, we're we're not meant to have two political parties. We're meant to have five, six, seven, ten. Um, that way, people are represented properly for each faction of diversity and the community and the country overall. Right. Uh, another thing they push to make this happen and, and push the two-party system with is they always push that we're a democracy. They never talk about how we're a republic, a democratic republic, how the state's rights, how the local community rights and laws come first, and then it builds from there or it goes down from there. They always want to try to make it seem like the federal government has the say-so on everything, and that's just it. And that's just really not how it is. It's not how this government was set up. It's not how it was designed. It's not what this country was meant to be. But there's a reason why they always say we have to preserve democracy. It's for democracy. We're sending a trillion dollars to Ukraine to preserve democracy. No, how are you preserving democracy by supporting a bunch of fucking Nazis to begin with, first of all? And this whole war only happened because we kept pushing fucking NATO to expand. Um Again, it's the it's the big things, it's the macro scale, 
that is causing the most issues. The micro scale is where you find your peace, your harmony, and your revolution. Yeah, I think something, you know, we were sort of talking about too, is that, you know, it is revolutionary to like, be happy and like yourself. And, you know, like, it's like you said, they almost don't want you to do that. That's a good place to start, right? <laughs> yeah, it, it really is. Uh, I mean, we had Spike on and this conversation I have with him on a regular basis is uh, one of the things he started doing a long time ago when he was diagnosed with MS, when he was getting over that and trying to get happy again, is he started writing down every single night, at least three things that he was grateful for that day or grateful for in life, period. Um, and eventually that turned into more than three things. Um, I still practice this on a very regular basis. I practice it throughout the day. I keep a notepad next to my desk or on my desk next to my computer. And anytime something pops in my head that I think I'm grateful for, if I had a great conversation with somebody or whatever it might be, my daughter runs in and gives me a random hug and kiss on the cheek and just says, daddy, I love you out of nowhere, just because they wanted to like those kind of things. If you start focusing on the good things in life, the things that you're grateful for, the things that make you happy, your mindset starts changing, your brain starts rewiring itself and you start seeing the world in a different way. Yeah. One of the neuroscientists I had on talks about that, how, you know, uh, I, I sort of do a ritual like that as well every day. Um, and even if you say, I'm going to try to think of three things I'm grateful for, uh, the neuroscience shows that even if you can't come up with three things, which you probably can, but even if you can't, just the process of trying to think of something to be grateful for actually calms you down, calms your brain down. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it can be stupid stuff too. You can be like, I'm grateful. I did not shit my pants today when I was driving home and I thought I was going to, um, right. and, and literally like, I mean, that sounds obscene and it's, it's probably funny. Most of you are probably laughing, listening to this right now, but those are literally the small things. If you have a hard time coming up with three things, grab those small things. It is the little things that mean the most a lot of times. Um, and you'll eventually start realizing more and more things. Our brains have been so programmed uh, to be outraged, like you said, David, uh, that we stop looking, our brain stops focusing on the things that make us happy. It just throws it away in a box in the back of your memory and doesn't even put it to the front focus on anything. You have to refocus your mindset. Yep, that's really that's really really good tactics for changing yourself to a positive mindset, positive state of being, and becoming mentally healthy. Um, so I do that as well. I, well, it started with at the end of the day, I was you know being thankful for three things, but I started incorporating incorporating it into my prayer. Uh, I know this isn't a, a religious podcast, but I, I pray before I eat. Um, I'm sure other people do that, uh, but it's like most people think whenever it's come up in conversation that I'm thanking God for my food. And, you know, sometimes I am doing that, but most of the time it's like, after I've been, you know, kind of making myself every day, be thankful. I started remembering the positive things that happened instead of the negative things that happened. And, mm -hmm. you know, much like a skier goes down the hill, focusing on the path instead of the trees and the rocks, you know, lest they hit the trees and the rocks by looking at them. <laughs> sort of like it sort of works mm -hmm. like that, right? You're going to see more of the path when you focus on the positives. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. And we start doing that too. And you start changing your, the way your brain's thinking, uh, you'll see your vices fall away. 
you know, whether it's drinking, whether it's eating, whether it, whatever it might be, whatever you use to cope with your everyday world, you'll start seeing that you're doing it less and less. And all of a sudden you're drinking more water and you're lifting more heavy shit and then you're just taking care of yourself in a better way. And then you're taking care of your family in a better way. And then you're taking care of your community in a better way. It is a positive chain reaction that happens with this kind of stuff. It is not just a one-time, one-place thing. It will be a positive chain reaction, I promise you. Yeah, absolutely. And um, yeah, it can be hard to get going sometimes. Uh, just remember, you got to walk before you want you run, right? Always walk before you run. Super important, uh, both in theory and in practice, right? Even in your mind, you got to walk before you run. You got to take baby steps to get to success you know whatever your success is yeah and you know i don't have a uh self-help podcast per se but i always ask you know my guests um you know if they have any ideas and some, some are more personal things some are more bigger picture things but you know one that one that comes up a lot is you know don't use social media. <laughs> don't don't use your device, you know, at bedtime, things like that, right? That's a common one. Like you can, that's just not a good approach. You just put it off. To, not, there's nothing that you have to reply to today. There's no no argument you're going to win tonight that's, that's going to matter tomorrow. <laughs> you know, in the words of change, it's going to make any difference between you, whether you finish that argument tonight or finish it tomorrow. Like just put it down. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you know what else is funny too that I've noticed? Uh, I was thinking back a couple months ago, um, remember when phones like cell phones were still flip phones and you could set an alarm and you could turn that phone off. And most of them, as long as they were plugged in still for charging, the alarm would still go off when you had the phone turned off. It wasn't until social media became a thing and started blowing up that they started making phones where you could no longer have it off and have the alarm go off. Get an alarm clock. Yep, get that an old too. school alarm clock. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm just saying though, like they, <laughs> they purposely don't want you to turn off your phone though, is what they're trying to do with that. Um, and and now because your phone has so many things, most people don't think about just getting a basic alarm clock because they're like, oh, I got an alarm clock on my phone, or I got one on my computer, or whatever it might be, or I have an Echo or an Alexa. But they, they don't want you to turn your phone off. They want you to wake up, not be able to sleep, get on there, and be on it for three hours. And then be hazed out the rest of the next day and not thinking straight. And because you're not thinking straight, you're not fully there because you didn't get enough rest and get enough sleep. That's how they make their money. Into this. Yep. You're gonna, yeah. Well, you're also going to buy into the outrage even more. It's a big cycle. It's a big fucked up cycle. Well, that's how they make their money. If you don't if you don't see the, the fucking ads on your newsfeed as you're scrolling through the, the pages that put the ads out, won't get the fucking the revenue from the likes and the stars or whatever the fuck currency they're collecting. And, uh, mm -hmm. you know, like you're mindlessly contributing your time for free and you're receiving nothing. <laughs> mm -hmm. Okay. You are receiving nothing. What you are, what you are receiving is less time spent managing your personal finances, less time spent at the gym, less time spent preparing yourself for the coming days. And I'm talking like, you know, meal prepping, making a grocery list, a real grocery list, not just fucking walking through the store and grabbing whatever you fucking see. That's not shopping. That's that's impulse buying. That's that's disastrous. Don't do that. And you don't want to do that with anything else either, right? It, so you got to take that, that first step. And like, like I was saying earlier, it's hard, but you got to make it about life or death. You got to make it difficult mm -hmm. for yourself. And you got to light that fire under your feet. 
because you got to get moving. It's, you know, getting yourself, getting your shit together. Oh, life or death. Yeah, whatever. No, seriously. Like, where do you want to end up, bro? You want to end up without a home or a nice car, renting in an apartment forever, paying an exorbitant price to a slumlord, perhaps? Or do you want to grind it out and actually pay off all your debt and and get out of that fucking rental? Put a good down payment on a house, a real house. You know, and it, it's, just, you know, that's just the situation is different for everybody. It could be anything that you're battling. It doesn't have to be financial. Yeah. Yeah. Most of the ads on the internet are like, hey, you give me $30. I give you mental health issues. Um, <laughs> that's really kind of what it comes down to. And a great way to get rid of those uh, those ads and everything is to use things like Brave Browser. Uh, you can use Brave Browser for Facebook and Twitter uh, and use it on, on your phone or your laptop. And guess what? Almost all those ads just fucking disappear. Yeah, Brave yeah, and is I do, cool. Oops, sorry, go ahead, I David. do think, I do think on the iPhone, I think, I don't know if Google has the exact same thing, but I wouldn't be surprised. But I think on iPhone, you can use that sleep mode they have that does shut off most things i think but you know i don't know i i use it and it seems like it does work but um it it does help for me i, I know it kind of makes my phone go black and, and i don't get the notifications anymore although i guess they are sitting there waiting for me in the morning when i wake up <laughs> right yeah it's 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 tough to balance but i mean again like rob said and you said and i said like it's just take those baby steps little steps each day you know no no great change is going to happen in a quick time you know, you, you can't climb a mountain in an hour. Uh, you you got to just keep pushing forward, keep making little changes, keep working on yourself, helping your family out, helping your community out. And you will see change over time. You will. And I think what we were talking about before with kind of the mindset thing, I think one thing that I, I talk about a lot on my show is kind of this mindset of kind of have a lens that, you know, there are people trying to manipulate you and um, just kind of go into it. Like if you are going to go do some news, just kind of go into it. Even if you're watching the news that sort of you think of as on their on my side or whatever, I almost ask people to be more critical of the people that are sort of on their side because they're doing it to you too. If you have a side, you know, that you're really passionate about, they're doing it to you too, right? I mean, they're trying to tell you how bad the other side is. They're trying to get you mad all the time. They want your five bucks or 10 bucks or whatever. You know, they're they're all doing it to you. So be critical of, you know, just go into even the, the news you like Go into it with a sort of a critical lens a little bit, like, wait a minute, they said this thing. Is it really true? Is that really what's happening? Is it about crime? Well, okay, crime, does that is it as bad as they're saying it is, you know, in, in this town? Or did this thing really happen that way? I mean, I mean, you have I, I think that helps a lot to have that mindset to kind of say, as there's it's almost like the thing that you're gonna get the most mad about, that's when it's time to take that step back of like, am, should I be as mad about this as they're trying to make me? Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, they're listening to this right now. You give this man a slow clap that he deserves for that statement. Always question everything, <laughs> especially if you hear it on the news of all places, especially if a politician says it. <laughs> Always question yeah, and it. Especially. And to some degree, especially if it's the guy on your side, like double check your side, the guy yeah, that supposedly you sort of agree with, right? You're, you're, you're putting your reputation on that guy's campaign by endorsing him, by endorsing a political candidate, you are putting your reputation in their hands because whatever that candidate, whatever the person that you endorse does is a direct reflection of your values. Mm -hmm. 
Okay. Yep, and that's why Big we're so frustrated with that two-party system you keep telling talking about. <laughs> we're so frustrated with those two choices that we get. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's fucked up, and people need to start realizing it. People need to check themselves. Um, well, that's that's just like bringing us back to talking about principles again, and bringing principle back to politics. And ultimately, when you bring principle back to anything, you start to receive what is. Uh, known as respect i know a lot of people haven't fucking heard that word in a really long time but yeah. it is it's still, it is still an english word respect right yeah. put some respect it's on crazy it. yeah put some respect on my name uh it's a crazy idea and a crazy word crazy definition of a word isn't it especially in today's world but that's uh there's a reason why they're pushing that kind of stuff out of everyday genre everyday life everyday conversation they they don't want us to get along. They don't want us to be happy. They don't want us to unite. They want us to fight. They want us to fight. That's it. Yeah, and and I think it's it's it, there's macro and micro effects too. I mean, I think there there's sort of this macro effect that that's the, the end result, and there and you could argue there's like a conspiracy at the high end, but in some sense, you, there may not even have to be a conspiracy because just all these micro effects can add up to be a macro effect, you know, because once you have this incentive system and once you have all these things in place, you know, it just kind of works. Obviously when you throw in $600 million here and $600 million there, <laughs> it can obviously push those buttons a little more, but, but I mean, to some extent, it's still back to those incentive systems and that, and, and, we can turn that around. You talked before about this kind of cascading idea. And I think that is the way this changes, right? It's kind of the chain chain reaction thing. You were talking about maybe the fire department meetings where, you know, and then you get to know people and you can say, hey, they're doing this to me. Maybe if we tell them to stop and you tell them to stop and we stop giving them five bucks when they do it and you stop giving them five bucks when they do it, you know, that maybe is how this can change, right? That kind of, it takes one then two, then, you know, and it cascades up and it, and it turns into a chain reaction because, you know, it's going to have to, I think, you know, kind of come from both sides. So we're going to have to also get some people pushing from the top down as well. So we have to figure out, are there some good guys out there that can help, you know, that also want to lower the temperature and stop this. And so maybe you need some, you need some good guys there too, but a lot of it can happen from the bottom up. And I think we can do a lot. And those chain reactions, I mean, I, I think we forget sometimes in the past, some things have changed really fast. I mean, when I was a kid, Littering was a social, like it wasn't, it didn't have many social punishment. Like littering was just like, yeah, that's what you do, right? You go to the picnic, <laughs> you finish the picnic, you, you leave your junk there. Like no one, it wasn't, there wasn't any, you know, it didn't, it wasn't really a social, didn't have social norms like it has now. And obviously, and that changed really fast, right? You had that Indian guy crying, if you remember that, right? And you had all this stuff mm -hmm. and, and social norms. And then there were garbage cans everywhere. And and it suddenly became a really, now if you see somebody littering, you're like, dude, you know, I'm out in a national park and this guy dumps his trash out in a national park. I'm not going to be happy about that, right? And, you know, it's just not acceptable. And that changed really fast, right? So, I, you know, I think we forget that things can change in a hurry. Like sometimes we get, you know, just so down, oh, nothing's ever going to get better, but things can change. People, uh, yeah. speaking of littering, you brought up littering. Um, yeah, I, I agree with, with laws that punish people who litter because if you litter, you're an asshole. I was actually, uh, I didn't litter. I don't litter. I just stuff it in my pockets. I've always been taught to stuff it in my pockets. And uh, when I was young, I was riding passenger and this girl was sitting in the back seat and threw um, some kind of wrapper out. Might have been the plastic from a cigarette box or something. 
And there was a cop behind us, and I knew this, but it was like it happened too fast for me to say anything or do anything. And like before I knew it, we were being pulled over. It was like around a bunch of houses. It was a residential suburban area, nice area. And the cop yelled at the girl, and uh, you know, like I can give you a ticket. You know, pick it up. <laughs> <laughs> Gave her a scolding, and then we went on our way, like rattled, you know, because we were young. <laughs> Yeah, I think it was an appropriate response, you know? Yeah, I think that is an appropriate. And I, and I think the social pressure from it is bigger than the law to me. I mean, once it really becomes socially unacceptable, most people aren't going to do it. I mean, there's obviously yeah. the few jerks that still do. But but that changed big time because it didn't have that social price tag, you know, years ago. And and so, I, I mean, I, I think so. I think sometimes we underestimate how much things can and how fast things can change, you know? I like the, um, this reminds me of the videos. And I know they're, they might be staged. There's a chance, there's a strong chance that they're staged where the uh, the dude's like picking up trash, like it's part of his job. And the guy in like this extremely exotic car keeps throwing trash in the street, like fast food restaurant trash. And somebody walks up and just like takes the whole entire dustbin, sweeps the whole street with it and dumps it in the car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. I've seen it before and I've actually seen several videos like that. So I would say it's, a few might be staged just for likes and clicks, but I've seen enough where at least some of them are legit. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Funny thing talking about recycling, we'll have to do an episode on that and how uh, the government used to take care of recycling and things like that for us and used to take care of garbage in a certain way. And then all of a sudden it was the creation of plastic bottles and um, containers uh, that caused a lobbying effect to no longer have it be the government's responsibility but us and that's when the recycle replace renew campaign started and they started basically trying to make you shame other people um for it when they were like oh we never had take care of it before and it became like a shaming campaign to change our mindset on it obviously i still think we should do it today's world it, it is up to us it also sucks that 85 to 90 percent of what we recycle doesn't get recycled at all uh, we don't have the recycling facilities in the U.S. to even do anything like that for what we have for recycling every single day. We sell a vast majority of it to China, and then we just dump it on their fucking shores in their fucking recycling pits. Um, it's it's yeah. it's messed up. If you guys don't know what I'm talking about, look it up. Uh, but yeah, we'll definitely have to do an episode or a part of an episode getting in deep on this uh, to the history of trash and recycling and the way things have evolved. Uh, with our country and, and everything and how it's consistently been put on. We had the resources to take care of it in a very good way before, but they stopped because they wanted money over taking care of people and our land the right way. Yeah, government has a really bad history of dealing with trash, especially recycling. I've, I've heard fucking stories about the recycling being mixed with the trash, et cetera, et cetera. I know uh, more than a couple times in three, I think at least three towns that I've lived in, the while I was living there, the township, city, whatever, they uh, selected a lower bid, uh, so they paid less for trash services, recycling services, uh, bulk pickup, whatever. And uh, the result was a company that tried to do it with less people, and the workers became overworked, and the uh, service became really, really crap. Like, I'm talking, like, dudes, like, tired out of their mind, trying to rush in a route, and uh, basically running over cans and shit. <laughs> the fucking, those garbage trucks are like they're at least 15,000 pounds man up to 35,000 maybe a little bit more mm -hmm. than 
full crazy yeah and a vast majority of plastic that recycle just doesn't get recycled even if it should be no. um i think adam i think adam ruins everything had a good episode on this if i remember correctly um let me look it up you guys you guys continue talking i'll, I'll try to find out the deets on this real quick yeah, I'm trying to remember a couple of other documentaries that kind of spent some time on this too. And you know, my son's a, a chemist, so like, don't get him started on this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and yeah, just the Adam way ruins everything. Okay, the, yeah. the corporate, the corporate conspiracy to blame. Let me try not to have uh, to blame you for their trash. <laughs> is what it's called. And it's real. It literally happened. It was a, a basically a psyop campaign to make you be mad at yourself and mad at other people about corporate companies' trash because they decided to go with shit that just won't biodegrade or be recycled very well. But it's cheaper for them, so that's okay. Oh, boy. Whenever they fucking try to help with anything, it's just, well, you know. <laughs> think they need yeah. to drink their water just like just like you need to drink your water show us drink some fucking water drink your fucking water david we like to aggressively advocate for staying hydrated around here it's a sort Apparently. of politics thing <laughs> we are very we are very <laughs> assertive about it we we bully people into being hydrated no well, it's really important though mm-hmm. um because uh, your body has filters in it and uh i don't know if you knew this or not but it helps when there's water passing through that filter with other things. So it's not just, you know, being blunt force impacted by the brunt of your poisonous intakes. <laughs> it's also yeah. a good idea to eat cleaner as well. When you're going to the grocery store, make smart decisions. Like I said, make an actual list. Uh, he he means store, eating clean food, not oh, eating yeah. Tide Pods, people. Don't yep. eat Tide Pods. Don't actually eat cleaner. Eat cleaner yep. foods. What I like even is picking up a rotisserie chicken on the way out. Mm. It's like two days worth of meals right there. At least for me, I eat a lot. I go to the gym a lot, so I eat a lot. And uh, But yeah, dude, like those are cheap. $7 where I get them for a whole bird. And I use the whole thing. I make soup with it. I collect the bones. I make stock, bone stock, chicken bone stock. Mm. And it's yeah. already been brined, Everything so I it's, it's tasty. Yeah, every every uh, bird I smoke, every time I smoke anything that has uh, bones in it, I save all the bones, put them in the freezer, make stocks and all types of stuff with them. Uh, yeah, actually, it's that time of year. It's it's uh, October is stock making season for me. Yeah, stock making season. You get to be the fucking uh, the warlocks over the cauldron, dude. <laughs> yes. Yeah, break out the big cast iron pot and put it on the Weber and just have some fun. Yeah. Well, we are uh, unfortunately running out of time here on the Anti-Politics Podcast. David, thanks for joining us as our guest. We had a really good time with you talking about stuff and surfing the anti-political sphere with you, my friend. Well, thanks for having me on. I, I enjoyed the conversation as well. I'm going to steer everybody talk outrage 17 episode 17 about on my on outrage overload. That's, that's probably a good place to start. It's it's called about how tech amplifies discontent and disrupts democracy, but it goes into a lot. I mean, tech can include like the post office and, and uh, 
and uh, Pony Express and stuff. So it's not only about social media. Episode 17. And where can people find your podcast episodes at? Uh, my website is outrageoverload.net. And then also, obviously, all the players. So Apple and Spotify and all the good stuff. It's not, it's not outrage overlord. It's outrage overload. <laughs> right. <laughs> I know. I, I should get outrage overlord, though. That That's pretty good. I need that. Yeah, buy that domain. Yeah, you should. Buy it up. If you can. Yeah, <laughs> tie, tie it together. And then just have, like, a different, like, infographic on there where you just, like, look metal as fuck on it. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Go back That'd to my punk amazing. days. Yeah, it'd be great for October for Halloween. You know what I mean? If nothing else, it'd be like a $10 thing you could do to run like an October Halloween special for your site. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right, that'd everybody. Awesome. Until next time, I suggest you drink your water, do your dry fire drink training. Drink fucking water. Dry fire training. Lift heavy Lift shit. Lift heavy shit. Every day. And get it in. And healthy. And fucking love people. Hell Tell yeah, you love them. Tell people that you love them. Remind them in a weird way how much you care about them. Call on that friend you haven't talked to in a long time. Make it weird, but make it good. People need to hear this kind of shit. Everything we're talking about for building people up and making people better and thinking about the good stuff, you can give them one of the things they're great for today by doing that. Absolutely. Smile and wave at somebody. It might change their day. We'll see you next time on the Anti-Politics Podcast. Take care. They'll have bombs in